Welcome to I Am Ethos, a podcast about self-discovery, inspiration, and uplifting real-life stories from extraordinary people. Each week, we deliver the best inspirational stories and tips on how you can live an extraordinary life. Now here's your host, Joe Willow-Rose. What does it mean to live an exceptional life? Is it when your child comes up to you and say, I love you, mom, dad, thank you for all that you do for me. You capture that feeling and just for a moment, all your life's worries, fears, and disappointments goes away and you feel good again. As if for that brief moment, you are living an exceptional life. Is it when you pushed yourself to finish a marathon? You get to the end zone, step beyond the yellow line, your hands up in the air, looking up and say, thank you, I did it. Memories of past hardship and fear dissipates as you gladly utter the words, this is life, I did it. Mary, one of our clients, came to visit us one day and told us an extraordinary story. She was recently divorced with her husband of 25 years. She told us that soon after the divorce, she felt like she needed to get away, get some rest from this traumatic event. One day, Mary saw a brochure from a bookstore that had a picture of Mount Shasta. She's heard of this place before, but didn't really know how significant this place was. She began to research accommodations, guide tours, and car rentals. She came across a site from a tour company claiming to help connect you to the spirits that resides at Mount Shasta. She Googled Mount Shasta and came across a story about the Lemurians of Mount Shasta and found that they were descendants of a long lost civilization that were once believed to have exceptional metaphysical powers. Mary was intrigued. So much so that she contacted the tour agency immediately. She spoke to a man named Arthur who told her that he had been providing tours in Mount Shasta for over 20 years and can help her connect with the energy of Lemuria and with the mountains. Curious, she booked the tour immediately. Before hanging up, she asked Arthur for recommendations and where to stay. Arthur gladly obliged and gave Mary three choices. After looking them up on the internet, she settled for a rustic cabin near the mountains. She then booked a rental car. The following morning, Mary said that that day felt different for her, as if she was living in another world. She did her normal routine in the morning, and yet, instead of feeling sad and worried, she felt excited and hopeful. She didn't know what it all meant, but she let it go and surrendered to this blissful feeling. Mary even managed to do some laundry that she had been putting off for a couple of weeks. She had energy to do things. Mary marveled at the idea that maybe, just maybe, 
she can start living happily again. It was a start for sure. The following day, Mary drove to Mount Shasta for her three-day spiritual excursion. On the way there, Mary told us that something bizarre happened. She was driving along while listening to her favorite music when she had the urge to look up into the clouds. When she did, she said that she saw two shaped hearts. At first, she thought it was an illusion, but when she looked again, there it was, two shaped hearts. She couldn't believe it. Instead of being scared because this was the most bizarre thing she's ever encountered, she instead looked up again for a moment and said, thank you. Thank you for showing this to me, God. Mary, still confused and worried that she was going out of her mind, started to smile, then said to herself, no matter what happens from here on out, I will be okay. God, Spirit, and the universe are looking out for me. I'll be all right. The next two-hour drive to Mount Shasta went by fast. And on the way there, she began to appreciate the trees, the road, the mountains. She said she smiled all the way to the cabin. She felt free and alive again. On the first day, Arthur took Mary to one of his mystical places. He said was usually closed to tourists. She said that while walking through the forest, Arthur kept leading her to one path of dirt road after another. In her mind, she questioned whether Arthur was leading her on instead of bringing her to this mystical place he kept talking about. Then while she was walking, she looked up and saw the most beautiful waterfall. She said that the waterfall glowed of rainbow colors and that an aura of light enveloped around it. She couldn't fully describe it in words because she said it was one of the most beautiful things she'd ever seen. Arthur was right. It was a mystical place. After a few hours, they drove back to the cabin. Arthur said that he had another surprise for Mary but that she needed to be open to coming along, no matter how unconventional it seemed. Mary, curious more than ever, agreed. Arthur picked up Mary close to midnight that day. At this point, Mary was a willing participant because she wanted to see more, and if it was anything like the waterfall, she was all for it. Arthur drove up the mountains, stopped his car, and asked Mary to follow him. After walking for about five minutes, Arthur picked a spot. Mary was immediately drawn to the moon. It just so happened that it was a full moon that night, and so the moon lit up in an iridescent glow. Arthur laid out the blanket he brought with him and asked Mary to sit down, to close her eyes, and to listen. At first, she thought this was crazy. It was midnight. It was dark except for the moonlight, and she was afraid of small critters that may bite her while closing her eyes and listen. Then she thought, listen to what? But she did what she was told, and immediately upon closing her eyes, Mary started hearing the loud noise from the crickets, the frog, 
frog, she wondered. Is he close? I don't like frogs. And the stillness. When she opened her eyes, Arthur began laughing. She wondered why when he said, boy, when I asked you to close your eyes, I only met for a few minutes. I didn't want to bother you, but you were in this meditation mode for over 30 minutes. Mary tried to look at him in his eyes to see if he was telling the truth, but it was dark and all she could say was, what? What do you mean? I only closed my eyes for a few minutes, not 30 minutes. She could see Arthur's mouth and heard him laugh out loud. He said, no, my dear, you were in this stillness for over 30 minutes. Congratulations. You listened to your inner voice and allowed God, spirit, and the divine to show you how it feels to be at peace again. Still confused and amazed, Mary got up, brushed off the dirt and critters, thanked Arthur for the wonderful experience and asked him to take her back to the cabin. Mary said that the next two days were equally amazing. She didn't go into too much detail at this point, but I remember feeling at awe after hearing Mary's extraordinary experience. Before Mary left, she looked at us and asked, was that how it feels to live an exceptional life? Mary followed her inner guidance by going to Mount Shasta, a place she barely knew. She went because she surrendered and let go of all the worries, fear and anger that she felt due to her divorce. She needed to feel whole again, to feel alive again, to feel free again. She found it at a place that was both mystical and inspiring. Mary witnessed things she couldn't explain, at least not to anyone who hadn't experienced similar events. And out of despair, she felt hope again. When she asked us if what she experienced was how it feels to live an exceptional life, you bet it was. Living exceptionally can mean different things to many people. But when you are struggling with depression or anxiety, you either stay where you are and continue to live like that, or you listen to your inner compass and follow a path that could lead you to happiness and joy. Stepping into the unknown is hard and sometimes frustrating, but this is when you need to step out of your comfort zone and take a leap. Muster up some courage and say to yourself over and over that you deserve to live an exceptional life. You deserve happiness. You deserve love. Things to ponder. When you feel lonely, anxious, or depressed, get a magazine and cut up pictures of happy people, happy events, a beautiful mountain or waterfall, flowers, anything that will make you happy. Now stick it to your bedroom wall where you can see it while lying down. Leave it there until you feel good and happy again. Or Put them on a frame and hang it if you'd like to, to stay there permanently. 
The idea is for you to see this before you go to bed and after you wake up. These are the best times when you want to reprogram your subconscious mind. Then in the next two or three months, go to a place you've always been curious about. Take a leap and make plans to go. Book your accommodations and rent a car if you must. Save up now and just go. Now, don't make too many plans while you're there. Leave room for the unexpected because it is when we don't plan that the miraculous can happen. Having an exceptional life can be achieved if you want it bad enough. We will always have trials, tribulations, and obstacles in life. The trick is to know how to live exceptionally despite of it. You want to surround yourself with people you love, places that give you joy, jobs that fulfill your mind, body, and spirit. It is only when we feel we matter, loved, and joyful that we can practice living exceptional lives. Now, this is a daily process because when we feel overwhelmed, lonely, anxious, or depressed, we find that our reaction to it will lessen over time. So long as we practice being mindful of our surroundings, the people we interact with, and the circumstances we allow into our lives. From now on, only allow that which makes you happy, hopeful, and alive. And before you know it, you're on your way to living an exceptional life. Tune in next time as I embark on the topic of trust. Sending you many blessings and love. Thanks for joining us this week on I Am Ethos. Be sure to tune in next week for our next exciting episode.